Hello and welcome to Story Guts. This is where we explore what the stories we tell tell about us. I'm Molly Curran. And I'm Alice Lai. And we are coming to you live from Ann Arbor. Live from live Ann Arbor. From Ann Arbor. Every single time you replay this, we'll be forcibly pulled back to Ann Arbor. We're <laughs> saying the same thing, stuck in this eternal script. It's quite horrific, actually. I just said, like, we should have pulled over to help them. <laughs> and now we're forced to live this doomed half-life existence. Far beyond our mortal spans. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Alice is in town, and uh, this is her last day in town, actually. But she's been visiting, which has been awesome. Um, and we thought it would be a great time to record a podcast, especially since um, this is kind of a special episode in that it's our fiftieth episode. Apparently. I really, I think it is our fiftieth episode. It's maybe our fiftieth episode. Let's, let, it is our fiftieth. <laughs> Let's just say it is our fiftieth episode. Nice going, Molly. Yeah. Like who would have thought that we would have the persistence and determination to keep doing this for two full years? Yeah, I know. It's kind of wild. In in a sense of seeing, would you say that we're like like a dynamic duo? <laughs> that we have formed a uh, pretty strong partnership yeah yeah <laughs> one built on both like like fr like affection plus friendly rivalry mm -hmm. secret loathing secret loathing no what <laughs> <laughs> well not on, not on my end but you know you do you i understand that there's like every partnership contains multitudes exactly exactly so as you may have gleaned by now um, we are talking about dynamic duos or partnerships or however you want to put it, pairs of people. And very specifically, like, yeah, like pairs. Like, we, we talked briefly before the episode started about, like, Sherlock and Watson or Mario and Luigi. Right. So not like Harry, Hermione, and Ron. Um, That's one too many people. <laughs> um, I think both because sort of the... the pair is a um kind of like very the basic uh component of any sort of strong relationship right mm -hmm. um but also because i think it's interesting to compare or to sort of look at these kinds of like what we're calling dynamic duos or partnerships um alongside sort of the the couple um mm -hmm. the romantic partnership and it's not that these two things don't overlap sometimes but it they also don't overlap sometimes right right i think i think it's fundamentally different when we talk about like the when we think about a dynamic duo we think of like um specifically a strong partnership in the way that maybe a romantic one doesn't reflect and we're also and like to speak to molly's earlier point about like the the terrific triad <laughs> is that um, there's, there's a lot more space, I think. When you just have two people, it's really like an isolated system. You can see how one of them, uh, pushes on the other and vice versa. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, you know, in the, famously for the Ron, Hermione, Harry tri triangle, it's like, the, even when the third person isn't there, they're still exerting an influence. Like, the, the group dynamics, it's a group dynamic versus just like, like, you always say that I'm dumb, but I'm not. Or something like that. Yes. <laughs> right, wait, jump 21. Forever, for, no, 21 Jump Street. Okay, you know you can write it down on our okay. piece of paper. That we, we have, have a piece of paper in front of us. Um, 
Although this does kind of bring that that along with all of the other examples we will talk about shortly, um, does kind of point to something I'm noticing, and you can sort of push back against this if you have other things in mind. Or, but is this seeming like a really male trope to you? That's a great point because I was just I was just noticing that as I as maybe perhaps you were noticing it, and a little bit later because I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think um, one of the most classic dynamic duo trope, I think, is like, I guess like the detective cop trope, right? Like the loose cannon, like there's like the person, or I guess like it's like the person who like follows the rules and like doesn't want to get in trouble and like the person who's like a loose cannon and like fiery. Yeah, okay, so you're talking about like... Starcy and Hutch. Yeah, like, but that doesn't speak to the gender dynamics of it necessarily. I mean, like, yes, in that, like, crime solving tends to be more male. Mm -hmm. But I, I think there's something sort of more fundamental at work here, which is sort of the, um, the obsession or cultural fascination or just cultural elevation of male friendship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people like to be like, oh, why do we have to pretend like Kirk and Spock are in love? Uh nobody cares about male friendship um but uh like we we do care about male friendship we value male friendship really i mean yeah we value male friendship super highly and i think that's i mean that's a good point in that like the bond of brothers versus like i mean there's a common trope of like oh like the hardest you know all the jokes about oceans eight was like all oh, the women would be like so catty and like rip each other apart Right. Or something like there's a woman when women are together, it is unexceptional and like suspicious versus like when you're like really like go through a, a trial by fire with your bro, <laughs> then you're like bros forever, bros before hoes. Um, and and the root of the word for friend, uh, or like the sort of Greek for friend is amitas. Becky, just come here and do it for me. Be Becky's here too. Becky, come on, chime Becky in. Becky brought in a really smart point about the Greeks. Well, it was just, um, I was going to talk about, uh, I guess it didn't make any sense what I put on here, um, is the fact that like, uh, in all the stuff we've done about like early modern sexuality, male-male uh, friendship, it was like the epitome of all relationships mm -hmm. in Renaissance England. And that comes from really kind of this Greek past um, of, I think, now I'm worried that it's not Amitas, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But it, it's really just this, this heightening of male friendship to kind of this realm of the gods and the heroes. Um, that's it. Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay, no, that's really cool. I mean, I think, I mean, that definitely calls to mind, like, the Achilles-Patroclus, like, explicitly romantic partnership. But... Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's exactly right. Like, the classical... Um, partnerships were, were male partnerships. So Achilles, Patroclus, um, uh, well now I'm, I'm blanking on them, like Alexander and his guy. And I think like at that point, um, right, the, the platonic as we use it mm -hmm. and the romantic, um, and the sexual were all kind of mixed up in each other because of this sort of like extreme valorization of male relationships mm -hmm. um which to my recollection 
had less to do with being like really excited about like homosexuality <laughs> and more to do with like women suck and so like homo homosociality really was like the way that you um it was like the epitome of like this like yeah this it's like are you in the sense of like the strong plus strong equals the best. Yeah, it's like you can't. You're a woman can't be your soulmate because women don't have souls. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not quite right. Um, oh, this is this makes me wish. I mean, no. I, now I'm just thinking about um, Sappho and this all the you know the woman woman W L W. Yes. Poetry of the time, but like it's not whether it is not explored because of the bias of sexism in the classics, which is uh, well documented, I yeah. guess. Or if, um, or, or where, where that tradition came from, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't know very much about the classics. I am on very uneven ground here. Right. Um, we're, we just looked up and we're miles from shore. Becky, take us back. <laughs> take us back to where we... <laughs> no, no, no. But I think, I think this is totally right and good. And I think like you see this, you see this with the Greeks, you see this with the Romans, you see this in the Bible, right? Like mm-hmm. you get like... David and Jonathan as, like, one of the sort of, like, iconic bromances. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that has just kind of continued throughout um, throughout history because, especially because, um, you know, for a very, very long time, and still to today, men and women really existed in fairly separate spheres a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um and there's been pushback on the separate spheres spheres thing, but like loosely speaking, yeah. um, and so homosocial relationships in general just became um, really important. And obviously, men were the ones deciding, you know, what's really great and what should be represented and what stories should we tell. Mm-hmm. And like, unsurprisingly, the stories they were telling were not usually about women women in like women in friendship or in relationship or whatever with other women um there's a great bit in uh, a room of one's own by virginia wolf where she's kind of looking through um an entire sort of history of literature that deals with women written by men and just getting annoyed basically Uh and kind of being interested in like okay what are what are contemporary her contemporary uh, female writers doing and she picks up a novel um and starts reading it and she's like it's not that good of a novel like it's not you know that that well written or anything but it does something that i've never seen before this book that i'm reading written by a woman which includes the line uh chloe liked olivia and for the first time you know it's just talking about like two women who like each other and it's it's i would say vague or potentially like um intentionally kind of uh, unclear whether that's romantically again romantically or friends or they work together in this particular example but either way um you know wolf is drawing attention to the fact that this isn't something that she is used to seeing and i feel like even now when we get stories of like intense female friendships which um are becoming more popular i Mm -hmm. think i don't think they're categorized as dynamic you know they're not like partnerships they're like friendships that are complicated and like you know Mm -hmm. 
um, my brilliant friend. Like right, that I was sort I was thinking about my brilliant friend, and I think what's what's fascinating. I was just like mulling over, like you brought up, like we have a lot of like Broad City or Tuca and Birdie. We have a lot of shows that are kind of focusing on like. Or, you know, Marvelous Miss Maisel, mm-hmm. um, where we have, like, two women who are, like, very much, like, they're in it to win it. Like, yeah. by the weather, they're, you know, they're there to accomplish a goal. But when we think of dynamic duo, we're, or at least I do, um, I think of, a, like, a very uncomplicated or very simple, like, I'm with you to the end kind of thing. Whereas, whether that is because, like, be, I mean, you know, whether that is because stories centering women tend to like you know have to work harder uh to like be recognized and or like or whether because like when you get women writers we are women are writing from the tradition of like all of these like male dynamic Mm -hmm. duos and being like we want to like we want to say more we don't want them to just like do a heist and have like you know, a conversation about how, like, they're sorry they called the other person a jerk, like, once. It's more about, like, I don't know. I mean, what do you... I think... I mean, I think there might be merit to that. I think some of it also has to do with um, a lot of these sort of classic examples that we're imagining or are sort of, like, first ones we went to, like Holmes and Watson, Batman and Robin. Um they also are, I mean, not to go back to separate spheres, but they're also um, kind of action-oriented, mm-hmm. um, potentially, like, work-oriented, whereas a lot of these, actually with the exception of Marvelous Miss Maisel, um, the other ones are are more centered on the personal with potentially, uh, potentially, um, like, work becoming involved, but a lot of the cases we're thinking of like the work comes first and the friendship or the partnership grows out of it. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, it does. That's a really good point, actually. Like the work, the work comes first, I suppose. And then like, you're right, right. It's this, the whole thing is like the grudging respect and like eventual like strong bond of like friendship and love that like grows mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, sorry, go Well, on. and just even the, the, focus of the story tends to be on the work right Mm -hmm. um though i'm sure there are plenty of stories of complicated male friendships so oh yeah but like for women i'm trying to think of uh, a story that's sort of about two women that's really focused on you know in a in a kind of way that a Sherlock Holmes story would be the only one i can think of is rizzoli and isles um Mm -hmm. which is a basically which came about as a sort of out of the desire to see a you know, female buddy cop mystery show. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's really the only one I can think of. Yeah, I don't... I'm having a lot lot of trouble. Two Broke Girls? I don't know. Two Broke Girls? Yeah. Yeah. I I haven't seen it, so I wouldn't be able to know. Yeah. But it is... It is cool. I mean, it is interesting to me that, like, I'm thinking about um, the American adaptation of Elementary, right? And then in Elementary... We do get this kind of like, in a sense, the work, there, there is work to be done that comes first over either of their liking of each other. Sherlock and Joan yeah. are, have a lot of difficulty with each other for, for a long time, but ba- but like, because it is maybe, maybe because it is on the backbone of Holmes and Watson 
because it is it is a detective crime procedural show that like has humanizing moments versus like a character focused tale that occasionally has mysteries. Mm-hmm. I feel like you didn't quite finish your thought there. Sorry. Um, what about that? So so we so even in this case where a woman is brought in, it's like it is only because like the showrunners or the writers are working off of this male template. Otherwise, like with Emolian Isles, Emolian. Rizzoli and Isles. Rizzoli. Emolian is like the skin thing, right? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, I mean, that was like explicitly like, I don't know. It's like explicitly set out to defy the mm-hmm. the gender roles of a of a crime show, buddy cop. Yeah, I mean, and I think like I think the uh, American Sherlock Holmes adaptation in Elementary um, also was very intentional in its choice of Lucy Liu to play Watson as a woman, as an Asian woman. Um, but I think that you're right that a lot of it, um, less than you would think, I would say less than in Sherlock, mm-hmm. um, the British, you know, the popular British adaptation, um, rides on, but it rides on sort of previous knowledge of the Holmes and Watson kind of mm-hmm. um, bond. And so you can take it for granted a little bit more. That's a good point. Um, but I think it is interesting that, you know, with, with home with with um elementary with sherlock and joan um you know the the showrunners have sort of had to repeatedly clarify like we are not getting these characters romantically involved like mm-hmm. that's not what their relationship is like they are they are partners they are friends they love each other like more than anybody else but they're just not romantically involved yeah um and like just the addition of a of a, of a woman to that dynamic, um, making people sort of start. And I think that's true. Like, I think when I see a, one of these type of partnerships where it is a man and a woman, Mm -hmm. um, I often assume that there will be a romantic element to it. Right. right? I mean, I can name like castle, uh, where you get your lead detective is a woman. And then the like guy who joins on to help, Solve mysteries as a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucifer, lead detective, is a woman. The guy who signs on to solve help solve <laughs> mysteries is a man. There's X Files, <laughs> as right? well as an angel. Um, well, oh. X Files is different. They're both agents. Um, mm-hmm. But but like in the romantic sense, like there was a, wasn't there a lot of like when will they get together? Yeah, that's true. Um, Mulder and Scully was a very long will they won't they. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, you're exactly right that. There was there was sort of this assumption that it would happen, and it did happen. Um, in in all these cases, the things I'm talking about mm-hmm. did happen, except Elementary. Um, yeah. And uh, another great example where it didn't happen would be Sleepy Hollow. Um, oh, you're right. Abs- well, well, yeah. What I mean by great example is I mean it kind of illustrates my next point, which is that um, it's convenient how uh, it seems to be when. One of the characters, well, when it's a woman of color, is one of the characters that the the romance is suddenly out of the question. Mm-hmm. But um, particularly in Sleepy Hollow, that bothered me a lot because they had a very strong romantic dynamic. Yeah, I mean, in in Sleepy Hollow, I mean, Sleepy Hollow was a big mess in a lot of other ways, especially because I think the woman like left the show. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, at that point, it became unwatchable. It became, like, and the, the circumstances in which she left the show was, like, very, like, 
this is really weird, guys. Like, anyways, but, um, I mean, I think it's, it's funny because, like, we, we talk about elementary often, and, um, it's, it's a, it's, for me, it is, it's like, it just becomes more and more clear how much of a revolutionary show it is, but, like, there's a lot of, like, sort of more, less good crime procedural. Yeah. There's, like, because, like, we, what's fascinating to me about elementary, talking about the fact that the show, you know, goes back to, like, they are partners, they have romantic relationships, but they, they do love and respect each yeah. other very much. Romantic relationships with other people. With other mean. people, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And never with each other. Yeah. I don't believe. No. Yeah. She does sleep with his brother, but... Yeah. She does sleep with his brother, and his brother, like, goes... Does he die? Eventually. Yeah. That's right. Um... Um... Oh, and it was totally, totally by accident. He's like, or was that his dad? I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, now. sorry, sorry, but. Um, but I think I, I mean, I feel like even in that case, like having her hook up. I mean, a lot of people didn't like this plot point for good reason, but her sort of hooking up with the other Holmes brother, I think, was is a way of kind of. Um, sidestepping or like kind of working through the problematics of um of not pursuing the romantic relationship between Sherlock and Joan mm-hmm. like it still is showing like see she's still like a very um you know intelligent wonderful desirable woman to a Sherlock Holmes type mm-hmm. it's just not happening with this particular pair because you know they're so close their relationship is so important that like that's just not it can't be that thing. It can't be that mm-hmm. romantic thing. It can't be that romantic thing. And what is extra, it's like in the last season, I believe, um, they looked at, Joan starts looking to adopt a child, right? Yeah. And um, and that is kind of, it's very impressive to me that they have this like pseudo familial, like, and you'll have to like chime in, right? Yeah. Like Sherlock offers, like Sherlock, they agree to like help raise the child together in this like, interesting nuclear family approximation where both parents are not um in a romantic relationship i guess and never were Mm -hmm. um yeah i think and you know they never really went anywhere with the adopting a baby plot unfortunately i I thought that would have been interesting but um but yeah I, i thought that the fact that they sort of had that conversation you know the assumption is we are partners like I will be in your child's life in a very substantial way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, I think Sherlock says it, like, he's like, you are important to me, so your child will be important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think we've kind of got that genre of partnership or or duo or whatever, but then we've kind of got the comedic version as well. Mm -hmm. Um. So you were talking about like Twenty One Jump Street, where you do get like the emotion, um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's more it's more humorous, right? And it's very much about like guys being guys, aren't they? So it's, funny. It's fascinating because when we when we get the humorous like dynamic mm-hmm. duo, usually there's a lot of like um, I'm not sure how else I'll say it other than like gay chicken. No homo. Like the no, yes, exactly. Yeah. The no homo of like, you know, maybe they'll like accidentally kiss or something yeah. or like, or they'll get really flustered because they have to pretend to be gay at a, at, to infiltrate something, right? Like it's, um, it's a, it's really telling the way that, I mean, I imagine it's probably less, I mean, I would hope that it's less prevalent now, but, um, 
how it's acknowledged that like we can have this strong bond but like but not that kind of bond like that's <laughs> that's weird like right. um in a way that like only certainly does not hold up to any scrutiny right like there's like oh it's not homophobic we're just like it's just funny that people would think that he's gay this is like the sherlock like thing which mm-hmm. you know yeah Although that wasn't really a comedy, but um, yeah, that's true. But it did it did pull that joke. But yeah, I mean, I think something like Twenty One Jump Street is very much playing on that kind of dynamic. Um, I I was thinking about Sean and Gus from Psych, mm-hmm. um, who I like. I love them. I love their partnership and their friendship. And like, I totally did ship them. But like, it very much is sort of the joke of these two straight men are comedically close. Um, mm-hmm. Like they're closer to each other than they are to like, the women in their lives, and isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, by the end of the show, when Sean is proposing to his, you know, girlfriend, Gus is there, like, a part of the proposal. Uh-huh. Um, well, what's... And it's interesting to see this kind of... We're looking at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and we have um, Boyle and Jake, mm-hmm. except the fact that, like, Jake is, you know, without ever saying it, like, he's pretty clearly bisexual... Um, I would say Boyle is probably too, but... I don't know how much I would say that that is clear in the, within the intentions of the show. And that, yeah. I, I would say a lot of that to me skews that they're trying to make a joke. That they're trying to make a joke. Yeah. I mean, if they decided to like actually kind of, um, say, you know, say Jake's bisexual or whatever, like, mm-hmm. I think that would totally track yeah okay no that's interesting because i i i guess i've been going kind of back and forth on it but mm-hmm. like the in the episodes like i've noticed in the more recent seasons there's been an uptick of jake being like that is a hot guy like that mm-hmm. guy is hot and not in a way that's meant to be like like that is, that guy is hot no mm-hmm. homo he's just like oh yeah that guy's totally hot mm-hmm. um but this is this is like another but like i think it's interesting the way that we have this, like, the no-homo dynamic between Boyle and Jake. Um, yeah. And how that, I guess, like, how that's reflected in a show that's explicitly trying to be more inclusive, explicitly trying to, like, not make transphobic jokes, or explicitly trying to bring in um, more commonly marginalized parts of community, mm-hmm. how, I guess, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, when... I guess it's... The writers really, really push on Boyle to make it, like, clear that it's weird in any context and not weird just in the like this is like too close for like two men who are not attracted to each other to be yeah um and i think because it's more of an ensemble um you are able to get them having strong relationships with other people that are also weird so it's less like the humor doesn't hang on it as much Mm -hmm. um because like i feel like Yeah, you could say that Jake and Boyle are, like, a dynamic duo, but I think you could say that of almost any two characters on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Whereas I think with most other shows, there's pretty clear, or a lot of other shows that we're discussing, the types of things we're discussing, there's a pretty clear sort of, like, these are the partners, Mm -hmm. and this is sort of the supporting cast. Yeah. Um, So Another example would be, um, did you ever watch Scrubs? I have not watched Scrubs. Okay, so on Scrubs... There is, again, it's uh, two men who are friends who work together, um, and just sort of repeatedly the joke is that, like, 
they are each other's soulmates. Like, they are closer to each other than they are to their girlfriend or wives. Like, um, they are the most important ch- people in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Like, yeah, it's one of those things I have very mixed feelings about because, like, I enjoy seeing people having these, like, close relationships. And, like, I feel like I am capable of taking them seriously, mm-hmm. even when I see sort of the humor in it. But it, it's very unclear to me how much the shows themselves, like, actually are are invested in that friendship. And I find often the actors are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just kind of odd. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I think I think it gets into, like, this very tricky place of intentionality of, like, the the actors might be this might be like what the actors are playing at mm-hmm. and the writers are and the writers are not or you know maybe the writers are but they're trying to like squeeze it by but mm-hmm. like increasingly where there's like less and less excuse for like oh we just don't want to explicitly acknowledge it i guess we're it's it's funny um right before like earlier today we were watching a comedian do a bit on like the first gay character <laughs> in the marvel universe it was, it was john lovett you can look it up it's like john lovett on the first gay character in marvel yeah where where he's like oh okay like it's so brave that you have one person whereas like and then where we have a lot of like very explicit like accepting media like mm-hmm. i mean the the kind of the joke last in the last few weeks is like one, apparently Arthur is still airing. Yeah. And two, that, like, Arthur had, like, one of the characters, like, had a gay marriage mm-hmm. on the show, which Arkansas refused to air, mm-hmm. I think. And then, like, Arkansas refuses to air. Gay rat wedding um, was, like, a headline, and everyone's going crazy for gay rat weddings. Then. I watched the episode. Was it? Was it any good? What I was think it was sweet. I don't know. I was, like, never an Arthur person. Becky... Her parents were visiting and they wanted to watch it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. I had a thought, though. I had a thought about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, which isn't to say I don't think our critiques are legitimate, but I think it does make a difference that the show does have a bisexual character that they don't sort of, like, make a joke out of her being bisexual. Mm-hmm. And the show does have sort of a married gay male couple that doesn't make a joke out of the fact that, like, these two men love and are intimate with each other. That, no, um, that's... That can't. No, you're absolutely right. Like I think I think that does sort of shift it as opposed to something like, um, you know, like Psych, right, where all of the characters are straight. Like there's just a very um, clear disinterest in or lack of lack of attempt really to be inclusive in any way. I mean, it's an older show. It's not that surprising. Um, or even something like Twenty One Jump Street, where I don't think we. No, I, you're absolutely you know. right. Like Brooklyn Nine Nine, at the very least, it's because that we the show proves that it can have, like a gay, like established gay and bisexual relationships. The joke can be more on like Jake and Boyle's like immaturity, yeah, or like naivete or whatever. It's less that like two men being really close is inherently funny. It's just like these people; these are children. <laughs> like yeah. Jake is a child, kind of yeah. like you know and. Boyle is a pod person. Yeah. Um, um, and then I think you kind of, and I think there's maybe overlap with the sort of comedic ones. I feel like you get the sort of like gay uncle partnerships or um, what I'm thinking of these, I'm thinking of these as like the Disney ones. Um, oh, okay. Right? Which I wrote down, um, you get the sort of like round one and the tall one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Timon, or Timon and Pumbaa, tall one, round one. Um, Lumiere and Cogsworth. 
Um, mm-hmm. In Lilo and Stitch, there's like again the tall alien dude, the tall and the cop round alien and dude, and the round cop, um, <laughs> space um, cop. Where you know these characters are largely asexual. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Lumiere, because he's French, does flirt with the fan. Uh, the, or the duster. Armore? Oh, the, duster. The, the duster. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> because he's French. <laughs> uh, but like, they're, they're sort of these, um, yeah, to me, I don't know. I just see them as sort of these like, uh, asexual kind of like quote unquote gay uncle characters or something where it's like two men in a committed partnership with each other and like they're some sort of mentor or like some they're taking care of somebody in some way but you know it's not actually a real relationship mm-hmm. um sorry I th- that's just really funny because i remember back in high school there i had a friend who um they were like name any disney movie and i will be able to find like a non-straight like couple in it um and then one of my friends was like mm, like you know thinking for a while i was like uh beauty and the beast and then my like mc was like like instantly like lumiere and cogsworth and then it was like you know right yeah like like there's no arguing about it i guess i was i was trying to think through and this is this is not going to be anything more than half a thought um of like the gay the prevalence i guess of the of the the gay uncles Mm -hmm. um and what it says about like I don't know, emotion, nurturing, like, why isn't there, why isn't there one, why is there, like, a, you know, does it, is it just, like, a trope, like, do you need, like, a comedic trope of two, like, the, is it, I guess, is it just, like, the straight man and the... I mean, I think, I think, yes, I think it's the, uh, I think it's supposed to, in some way, mimic the, um the familial formation of the mother and the father. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, uh, maybe not Cogsworth and Lumiere, but I feel like, like, Timon and Pumbaa, I could tell you, like, which is the quote-unquote mom and which is the quote-unquote mm-hmm. dad. And, like, I know for a fact that the... I wish I could remember their names, but they're the aliens in yeah, Lilo yeah. and Stitch. Right, because like, they, they dress up. They dress up like a married couple. Um, to infiltrate something, which is... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think I think... That's part of the, um... Which is, it's so fun. It's, yeah, no, it's so interesting to me that, um... That we... No, I think that makes a lot of sense, like, for these Disney movies, for these, like... When we get these nurturing comedic couples, we Mm -hmm. have these... And, you know... And it always is two men. Well, and part of it is also that Disney has not... Historically, though, obviously this has been changing, like, not been that interested in having all that many female characters. Yeah, yeah, which is, like, it's interesting to me to see, like, the way that um, we're possibly making this, like, cascading argument of, like, what does this plot need? This plot needs, like, a comedy bit to offset the the dramatic bits. A comedy bit kind of needs two people. Like, what do... You know, and this growing up to, like, like, who's funny? Men are funny. Right. It's funny that men do. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. Um... No, and it's and part of it's also like you have when you have the thin one and the like the fat one and the thin one. Mm-hmm. Um, for for like animated movies, certainly it's for a visual variety, yeah. right? Like you you want them to have like very different shapes. Like mm-hmm. one, you know, one's like a you know Inside Out kind of had this. Like every character had a yeah. specific associated shape. 
Or like, um, I guess they, they, they mix it up a little bit in Monsters, Inc., where you get Mike and Sully. Mike is small and round, and Sully is like big and tall. Big and, yeah, you have the small circle and the big rectangle. Yeah. Um, versus like, okay, Woody and Buzz Lightyear. They're not really, I think that's interesting. It's more of a rivalry, because we haven't talked about rivalry-based dynamic duos, I guess. Yeah, and because in a way I think they are, like I think rivalry exists in a lot of these, um, but I think there's often a, um, more often a sort of like lead and um, sidekick dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I think like some things are trying to sort of like push back against that a little bit um, or to say like, no, these are both equal leads. But like elementary, like I think like ultimately we we get more of Sherlock than we do of Joan. Mm -hmm. I think Sherlock is always relegated a little bit above Joan. Mm -hmm. um, I think Lucifer, the show's called Lucifer. <laughs> like, you know, it's not called whatever the cop's name is. Um, Angel cop. You know, we, we follow him much more. Um, and so even though you may have sort of two people in a partnership that is like roughly equal or like, you know, really tries to get there, mm -hmm. um, there's still that kind of, um, that kind of dynamic. Um, it's, it's not a, it's not like a dynamic where you take turns being the lead. There is one person who's like, this is the focus and this is, yeah. Right. This. Whereas I would say, I mean, I don't remember Toy Story that well, so I could be completely wrong here. But to me, Toy Story is very much about, like, rivals becoming allies, becoming mm -hmm. friends. That's true, yeah. They don't really accomplish too much together. <laughs> and they're and they're not, they're, they, they don't sort of fall into that kind of um, mm -hmm. partnership. I mean, like, I love a partnership that feels like it's two people bringing, like, different strengths and sort of joining together mutually for like the good of things mm -hmm. without like one necessarily being more important than the other but i don't think it's very common no i think i don't think it's very common because it sounds like it's difficult uh difficult to balance that i mean yeah. i think when you talked about the, the lead and the sidekick we don't get that very much with our quote-unquote gay uncles right because they are not interested like do like they because they're not interested yeah. in being um, so are those, it's interesting because like, are those, do they count as dynamic duos? Or are we just like identifying a subgenre of partnership, which is like gay Disney uncle? I mean, just the, yeah, the, the comedic relief. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think maybe an example, and I could be wrong because again, it's been a while, but I think maybe an example of one where you really do see two leads um, forming a really equal partnership in which they are both very important, although this is on an ensemble show, so it's a little different, would be um, Roslyn and Adama on Battlestar Galactica. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, to me, that that is one of the sort of, like, strongest, like, partnerships I've seen, which did become romantic um, mm -hmm. and was a man and a woman. Um, and, like, to me, I don't know, like... I always felt like they were equally important characters. Um, it's true. I guess I guess I always saw... Right. I guess I did see them as equally important. It's interesting because I say I want to say, like, Rosalind left more of an impression on me just because she was, I don't know, the president yeah. or something. But it was... There definitely was, like, a lot of tension throughout the entire show about um, their relationship and their 
extremely moving, extremely sad final scene. Oh my god, don't even. That just, oh my god, it's so sad. Oh, I- <laughs> Um, yeah, but, like, I think that's, that's a show, like, there are a lot of problems I had with that show, but one thing that sort of was consistently really interesting was their sort of commitment to showing this partnership and showing it evolving and showing them having disagreements and showing them, um, figuring out how to work together and sometimes not being able to work together. Um, I mean, it's, it's really, Battlestar Galactica to me is fascinating because of the way that Rosalind was allowed to be allowed to make bad decisions without becoming tyrannical like i think yeah. i think it was one of those shows where like frequently you see her like either about to or like actually just making decisions that you're like no i don't know if that's a good idea and you know other people perhaps pushing back on it but she's still she continues to be like you know the leader that we needed and but which like may like could have broke bad at any point um, like of I don't know. Yeah, the, I mean she's a great character. Like she's a really I think she's a really good character. And I think like I would be surprised if a character, like a character of like a woman in power like that, mm-hmm. um, could be done now. I guess with because like it's so clearly like it just we're just too raw right now. Like Hillary Clinton is yeah. very. This is all kind of aside from the point. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I don't want to get into a depressing discussion about women in power. We can do that at a different time. Okay. Women in power is our next episode. God help us. Um, it's yeah. Not, it's not going to be. It might be. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do, do we have any more sort of like... I don't know. I was going to say Emperor's New Groove, but that's it. I was just like, it's this rare case where there's two pairs of dynamic duos playing against each other. Is it? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, kind of. I think uh, Yzma and Kronk are not quite yeah, it's the true. same because it's such an exaggerated, like, one is literally a lackey of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas they're kind of like a... F- <laughs> almost like a foil to uh, <laughs> uh sorry i just feel like this is a ridiculous thing to be saying about emperor's new group there was like a foil to uh cusco and pacha pacha pacha, pacha. um and it's not it's not a ridiculous thing to say because that movie has held up yeah. extremely well it really has um but like in that case right cusco is trying to trying to have that relationship he's trying to make someone else's lackey and failing because a true partnership is forming Mm -hmm. um whereas in the other case like Yzma treats Kronk as a lackey basically until he turns on her because Mm -hmm. he's like fuck this yeah um so I think yeah I think those are different cases um but I mean I also think like that's a great example of the classic um sort of like journeying together and forming the partnership that way right Mm -hmm. um which i think is a pretty classic trope as well um i'm thinking of because this is where my brain goes whenever i think about two people traveling together and becoming closer Mm -hmm. i think about uh the left hand of darkness and i think about ancillary justice yeah of course (laughs) no 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 that's that's great i think um Ice journeys where ice journeys. God, Left Hand of Darkness. I think it's everyone. All everyone ever remembers about Left Hand of Darkness is like, oh, that's the one with the weird gender stuff, right? And it's like, oh, you are, you know, science fiction authors. You are not giving them enough credit. Like that one's the one about like, 
the weird like Soviet Union Cold War esque drama, but like it is also about an amazing ice journey where two people grow. I mean, I think it's a beautiful love story. It's really good. Um, and Ancillary Justice has a shorter, less romantic uh, <laughs> ice journey, but one in which two people sort of end up becoming um, partners. Though in this case, it's very much again a um, lead and sidekick situation. Right. But it's but I think there there is something fundamentally. I mean, if we had to look at the dynamic duo and like why why we like it it's like we like to see people working together we like to see people cooperating and like you know the the good thing the greatest part about these like travel journeys is like that moment where they're like both contributing to a problem that neither one could have handled um individually right i mean this is oh god i didn't want to do this but this is why i wanted to see this is why i wanted to see john and sansa ruling together on game of thrones because to me, it just seemed like a perfect case of this. Like, it seemed like for, for seasons, they were setting up each other as complementary leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and ignoring the fact that they kind of, like, ruined John's character. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I think I think that kind of partnership and working together would have been so interesting to see. Even, even if everything went the way it did, um, we never really got to see them when he was king in the north and she was lady of winterfell like really having to work together much they have sort Mm -hmm. of like one disagreement about something and that's kind of it um and i just think that would have been like really really fascinating and a really great opportunity to tell an interesting story Mm -hmm. about power but um you know that wasn't the show's interest that was not not in the show's interest (laughs) um but yeah no i think it's um this is really interesting to me just because of I'm just sort of thinking to, like, the the reasons that I enjoy reading about, like, mm-hmm. these dynamics or why these dynamics are so attractive is, you know, the uh, the model of adult friendship, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. you have, you have relationships, I guess, like, you have these, like, intense, like, partnerships in high school, college, or, like, you have, you see those narratives a lot more, and those may perhaps feel truer in those settings, but, like the dynamic duo stories are like like hey hey man chill out like you can have this like <sighs> you can have this all right like just so just like relax yeah, true some of it is just kind of like you as an adult can have a best friend <laughs> yeah right like right like I, I was just like this feels too much but like it, it it kind of feels like look at these two like kooky normal men having a nice relationship mm-hmm. with each other that is not gay, not mm-hmm. gay, no homo, not gay. It might yeah. be funny funny if it was gay, though, huh, right? But not gay. Oh, my God, sorry. I just thought of New Girl is one of the worst shows about that. Oh, my God, yeah, you're right. I love, like, I love Nick and Schmidt's relationship. But, uh, yeah, the, so much of it is very much, like, isn't it hilarious that they're basically in love, but they're straight, no homo. I, I feel like there's, I know that there was like that one scene, I've I, but it definitely came out multiple times. You know, that one scene where like one of them, like Nick had to pretend to be gay or something and Schmidt comes in and they have this conversation yeah. and yeah. The, the person she's dating is like, man, I thought you were bullshitting me, but that was beautiful. He really is super gay. And we're all supposed to be like, ha ha ha, you know. And I am like, ha ha ha. And, 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 I mean, I was ha ha ha. But like, but, <laughs> but you're I'm like, easy. 
You're like, how dare you? That was funny, but how dare you? Oh. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I just thought of that. I was like, oh my goodness. Um, Does that show deal with like kids and pregnant? Uh, sorry, this is related to our last week's topic yeah. of pregnancy. And I realized this afterwards that I was curious about um, what that show did. Because I know that they talked about like being parents at some point. Yeah. But did they get pregnant? Yeah, so there is a time skip that happens um, between the second to last season and the final season. Um, In the second to last season, one of the characters is pregnant. So in the final season, she has a child. Um, And then there's another time skip at the end and you see that they all have children, but you don't really go through other than with uh, Cece and Schmidt have a child. Other than with her, where you do get some of that, um, you don't get a lot of raising children. What you do get that I thought was interesting and then never really got followed up on was that there's an episode where um, Jess and Cece, sort of the two female leads in the show, um, went and got their, um, like, did fertility tests. Mm -hmm. Um, And Cece's fertility tests sort of came back a lot more worryingly than she sort of had expected um which ultimately just ends up being used as a way to sort of push her to feel like she needs to get married early um Hmm. but it was sort of interesting just as a um conversation that sort of like you know women in their 20s late 20s early 30s whatever were having about fertility um that i don't know i would have liked to have seen it come back later actually but Mm -hmm. um Alas. Although I think it's pretty common on TV shows nowadays for someone to, to have fertility issues. I don't I don't know why, but it seems like it's kind of in vogue. It's it it's very interesting and you know it's very interesting to me the number of friends and friends of friends who are like very, very concerned. like unsurprisingly because I'm now twenty nine mm-hmm. and we're getting to that point where like, you know, the articles say that we um your chance of bearing healthy children like fall off. But like a lot of friends and friends of friends are like very much concerned about fertility and about like locking the locking that man in. Or like I had a, I had a friend who was like to an, who was like, you know, maybe I can convince this other friend to like get their eggs frozen with me. Like, doesn't that sound like a fun, like gal bonding thing to do? And I'm like, I'm like, no, it sounds kind of nuts, but you're welcome to try. Um, know i mean like i kind of get it i would say less gal bonding and more like you know strength in numbers yeah but um it's very expensive oh expensive these two were um they're working at like they're making like upwards of two hundred thousand a year so yeah i I, like briefly looked into it i was like i wonder if my insurance covered no no No. (laughs) it's horrible but um yeah well you know what that reminds me of the ultimate dynamic duo twins what i don't know okay well go on molly you, you well you like brought fred, it. And fred and george okay yes that's true mary kate and ashley mary kate and ashley business partners ancestors that's true um and detectives and detectives <laughs> i think they, no that's the other one right they were in no they were detectives in one <laughs> okay iteration of their many many shows straight to video shows <laughs> um disney channel shows you know, the Sprouses actually know they're kind of like split off now because one of them's Jughead and the other one, I don't know where he went. Other one's Jughead 2, Return <laughs> of Jughead. Um, 
No, I was just kind of pulling my leg, making a joke. It's true. I mean, you know, it's... it's real funny when you have to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Molly, for um for sacrificing your joke for me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um. So, thank you for listening. Um, Molly, do you want to start? You know, do you want to talk about what you've done, or do you want to just like tie it off with a bow? Um. I mean, I just don't know what I've done so that I haven't said before. I think I talked about watching Once Upon or not Once Upon a Time. Um. Dairy Girls. The, the, no, The Tenth Kingdom, which is on Amazon Prime and is like a mini series from 2000 that kind of holds up. Um, Volume. You're, you're getting oh, really Oh, sorry. Um, and trying to get people to watch Dairy Girls and I finished Conversations with Friends. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think there's nothing new. Basically, I think what happened since last time we recorded is um, Game of Thrones ended and with it a lot of my joy um <laughs> but also relief relief came and hopefully we'll talk about it less than we used to by we i do mean me <laughs> um and i mean in the, i mean i've been visiting molly um along with some other friends um so that's definitely new and fun uh, molly let me conversation with friends um to read through so i just started that and i'm really enjoying it um i've definitely thought the title was conversation with like when I was talking to Hannah, um, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm reading, like, I thought it was a conversation with strangers. And Hannah <laughs> was like that. Oh, so you're reading my memoir, um, which I thought was very funny. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't been, similarly, I not too much happening on my end either. I've been playing a new game called um, Steam World Quest, uh, The Hand of Gilgamech. Uh, and it's just like a card base. It's another, I'm playing a lot of, like, card-based strategy games. Um, and enjoying it, I think it's a little, um, little more simple than other games like Slay the Spire, uh, or Dream Quest or something, but I'm still enjoying it. Uh, a lot more RPG-y, so, like, there's, like, a little bit of grinding and a little bit of, like, whatever, but all good. Looking forward to finishing Conversation with Friends, and I don't know, just go, go, go back home. Go back to Sunny SF. Not that it has not been sunny here. It's been quite nice here the past few days. I think uh, Alice brought the good weather with her. Well, yeah. (laughs) Maybe. Hopefully it holds. Let's let's say I did. Mm. And then I left it here and forgot to pack it up. I like it. All right. Um, Thank you for listening. As usual, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at the Molly Jean. That's at the m-o-l-l-y-j-e-a-n-n-e my twitter is no longer only about game of thrones yeah um so (laughs) it's a great time to follow um i'm at alonculus a-l-o-n-k-u-l-o-u-s i just don't tweet anymore but i'll try to tweet more maybe well you can tweet at her if you want always tweet at me just like i'm always there too often on twitter too online too online that's very much me um okay yeah so once again thanks for listening coming to you live from ann arbor (laughs) (laughs) coming at you straight from ann arbor and uh yeah stay hungry